Welcome back to the Team Talk with Tom and Jack. I'm Tom. And I'm Jack. And this is another special episode. We host this podcast to inspire teachers, coaches and parents in order to help improve children's well-being together. In this episode, we welcome our guest, personal trainer, nutritionist and health coach, Max Bridger. This time, we discuss daily routines, exercises for the whole family and limiting phone use. Just a bit of context, our audio does jump around a little bit towards the start, but we hope you enjoy it, team. This project couldn't have started without the sponsorship of Teammates. That's right. Teammates is our sports coaching company that we co-founded back in 2016. For more information, please head to weareteammates.com. Now, back to the podcast. Welcome, Max. It's great to have you on, mate. Um, for our viewers who haven't met you yet, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Max Bridger. I've been a friend with Tom Rose for about 20 years and since I snuck into a family trip, with the Panets about 15 years ago. So we've all grown up on the same row. Um, I'm a personal trainer. I've been a personal trainer for about 10 years. I'm the co-owner of a fitness startup, ldmmuscle.com, which I started at uni about seven years ago. And I'm training to become a health coach. Max, what have you seen recently off the back of your uh, virtual training sessions online and communications with parents? What are people struggling with, with the well-being of children right now? Um, quite often, with my with regard to my sessions, the children are intruding on the sessions, which is great because quite a lot of them, seeing as this is extended and extended, they've actually started to join in with the sessions. So I've got them doing sort of lesser exercises. Obviously, the parent is involved. I haven't been like you get involved. They're happy for that to happen. So for quite a lot of them, because they are obviously getting restless at home during lockdown, they have been joining in on the sessions. But from having brief chats with friends who are parents, with clients who are parents around it, like letting them in with their training or when it's going on a walk, trying to find a challenge. I think it's all about tailoring it to their children, but obviously the struggles are real and they're real for everyone at the moment. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've spoken quite a lot, Tom, I know about um, the opportunities that lockdown has presented for children to see learning in a different way. So. Um, they don't necessarily have tests to worry about. They don't necessarily have lesson pace to worry about. And, you know, they can stop, fast forward, rewind um, lessons as they see wish, um, as they see fit. Sorry. Have you seen any similar benefits to lockdown in regards to how children and adults as well have um, almost changed their opinion of exercise? Um, yeah, I think when we were speaking about this off camera before, it was really interesting how you two who are heavily involved in essentially extracurricular PE we're saying that it's great that it could have opened the door we're all saying it's great that it's opened the doors to see exercise as not just PE not just club not just competition so they'll be getting outside and parents with children encouraging them to get into open space and not realize you don't have to feel inferior to Mr Athlete over there who's just gifted and loves every sport under the sun you can do something different because especially when they're getting to the secondary school time and you start to become more self-conscious, a lot of people do start to retreat away from exercise more. So a lot of people, especially even when I'm at the park walking my dogs or I'm out going for a run or something, I do do other things outside like go for essential items. But you are seeing a lot of parents with their children just walking. Like A walk can be exercise and can get someone who is 
retreated from that space because it's associated with PE, with exercise, with competition, to get back in it, reconnect with nature and find a sport that they might enjoy, some an individual pursuit like running that could come from simply being out inside space, walking, even cycling alongside a parent. But um, I think that the opportunities it's giving to a lot of people are great. That's a really, really good point. And I feel that more and more people, as you say, are using the outside time to do that exercise and walking about. But what about those people at the moment who are potentially stuck inside, trying to work out inside, in the home, what sort of exercises can they be doing? Because I know already for the for the for the team here, you've provided four different workouts that we can uh, put a link to in the description uh, later on. But what what can people be doing right now at home? So if you can't get out, I'd always encourage getting out, even if it's not for exercise. So a lot of people, even parents, might be a bit not too self conscious, but just not feel running is for them, which is fine. So this is a period where you could use the masses of content online to see if a child enjoys something like Pilates, something like yoga, even circuit classes where they haven't got people around them, but they are essentially in a group because it's online. So what I've created for you guys and for your users is a workout that can be done together for infant age children, junior, secondary and adults. So they're not children, but adults. So what you could do on this is the timings are the same, but the workouts are different. So the exercise to interval is the same, but the use of equipment and the use of different exercises is more tailored towards being dynamic for kids who might have a shorter attention span, and then more complex and more towards adults and more towards stuff you will see online, which kids in secondary years will be exposed to and will be more sort of predisposed to actually enjoy. Then when it comes to the parents' exercise, I'm looking at stuff that's more core-based and more working on the glutes and the legs. So that can be for longevity and adding to keeping you in check for when you return to sport or whatever your hobby or pursuit was, or just helping you improve the longevity of your body by working on the key areas. But the four workouts are perfect to use and they're not age exclusive. So you can switch them around if you get bored, if you find like the repetitive, is, if you find them too repetitive, if you're doing them say daily, feel free to switch them around. You can even start to change the exercise selection around two within the workouts. And I have said ways, or I will say ways, how to make the workouts harder or to make them easier. So you can regress or progress the intensity as you see fit, or as long as this period of time continues. Nice one, brilliant. I think that'd be really useful. Um, we've spoken a lot to um, parents who have had quite tricky conversations with their children recently um, in lockdown, because I think it's fair to say for a lot of children, there's a bit of confusion as to why they are at home, um, as to why they have to learn at home, as to why they have to keep learning as well. But there also might be some confusion around children wanting to know why it's important for them and for their parent to continue exercising during this period. Exercise might be something that they don't particularly enjoy. So what would you say is the best way to have a conversation with your child about why exercise is important right now, considering the circumstances we find ourselves in? This is a period where I think transparency between adults and children will be a really good thing. Obviously, you have to tailor it to your child. So being completely transparent about the dangers to health, the economy, relatives, um, relatives that fall in the vulnerable category may not be a good thing to tell children especially children are more sort of have more anxious tendencies but yeah. having sort of um, a more transparent relationship especially with kids who are getting towards secondary 
age who are going to find it on their phones anyway and explaining why the exercise isn't just important for them but might be important for you. So if you were to tell your child, it's important for me to get out and run, this makes me a better person, this makes me happier and this allows me to have more fun with you and cherish my free time, then I'm sure a child will be more bought in for you either to have that space or to join in with you and to essentially help a parent. Because I know when, again it's anecdotal, but when you're growing up, you can tell, especially when you start to get sort of to 10, 11, 12, when a parent is trying to humour you or a parent is hiding something from you. Yeah. And that can just not grow a resentment, but it can grow a frustration and that can cause a bit more rebellion. Whereas if someone said, look, I usually go for a run when you're at school or I usually go for a long walk. I usually go and meet the other parents and this is my release. Uh, I need this spare time. I need to go for a run by myself. Is that okay? Can you do this? So this would be the period where you say, getting outside is still important for me. It's beneficial for you because being exposed to light in the early morning is good for energy levels. Being in nature has various health benefits that we all know. And then when we come back in, we can exercise together if that hasn't got your frustrations out or if it hasn't got my sort of need for cardiovascular activity out. So that's where exercises like the workouts that we're going to put on here will be great or finding something that's more to your tendency. So you might not like these kind of exercises. You might want to go into Pilates, you might want to do yoga. You might want, it might not work with sort of the apparatus in your house. So you might have to go for something else. That's a really interesting point you raised there, Max. And I'm just going to go on a slight tangent myself too. Um, with all this time on our hands or an increase in time on our hands that we may not have had before, do you see this as a good opportunity for children to potentially get into some new sports um, and potentially make some habits of new sports that they might not have been able to before? I feel like if, if a child was really into their sports beforehand and it's been taken away, this would be a great time for them to actually realise what they yearn to do. So you might have a kid whose parent has not pushed them, but given them a gentle nudge into a lot of different sports. And they might be continuing a sport just to please a parent when they're not really not enjoying it. Like when I was young, I, I, I did so many sports, I wish that I did cut it down a little bit. I enjoyed all of them, but I really liked some of them. And some I just continued because my parents were paying for, the, um, paying for me to be there. So rowing, didn't really enjoy it, but felt like they thought it was um, to my strengths, having strong legs, being better at non-weight-bearing exercises, having a good CV system. Whereas I really liked football, enjoyed tennis, anything that was more uh, team or social, I really enjoyed. So I think finding out what is your main passion and what the kid is yearning to do is great. And then they can not cut down and get rid of certain sports but have a focus on something that they really enjoy and then have those side categories that they can get into as a supplement. On the um, sport front, obviously there's an issue with what you can do during this period. If you don't have a garden or if you're, um, I think playing team sports, especially out, unless you've got like five children is going to be an issue. <laughs> so for actual getting into sports, I think now's not a great time. For individual pursuits like maybe uh, running, cycling, um, even if they have the ability to practicing things like ground drills and cricket would be great. And these could be periods where you just break it up for the child and for yourself. Because if you are homeschooling now, 
and you've got a child down for multiple lessons, we don't enjoy all lessons. Like you don't just become an adult and start to enjoy chemistry. You still think it's terrible and shouldn't exist. So when you have to teach your child that, I would be after about 45 minutes, be like, right, we need to do something to break this up. Let's get into some just hot potatoes, some ground drills and cricket, whatever that they enjoy. Let's try and breathe that back and work on some technical skills if we can. Now, thank you for that. That's really useful, I think, and actionable for a lot of people uh, who are having these, these issues right now. Recently, we spoke with a lot of our coaches at our coaching company, and we've been talking around issues that they've been having at home, things around getting out of bed and actually getting their exercise in. We were speaking about, well, you could set two alarms to make sure that the alarm is going to go off or put the put the phone where the alarm is somewhere else on the other side of the room. So you're going to have to physically get out of bed in order to make sure that you're doing these sorts of things, preparing clothes the night before so there are no there's no friction in between getting up and going for a run, let's say. What are some of the tips that you've got for people at the moment with, with children or just on their own who are trying to get up and do some exercise and build it into their routines right now? And I guess that applies beyond lockdown as well to a lot of people. But I always find that having a consistent wake-up time is really important because it gets your day off on the right foot and then you can get everything done rather than rush into work and have all these micro-stresses and just sort of fall into the working day and then beat yourself up because you didn't have correct breakfast, you didn't have the routine, you all you had time to do was scroll Instagram for 10 minutes, you did it in a negative mindset, so all you were looking at were things to sort of uh, agree with that negative mindset when you didn't need to do that, you could have just got up two hours earlier by going to bed slightly earlier, getting into that routine, get the ball rolling, so that you naturally wake up at say six o'clock, seven o'clock, whenever you want to get up. And you know that you're up, you're gonna go do X, Y, Z activity now, you're gonna come back in, you're gonna have food, and then you can start your day. With a parent, it can be uh, trickier, obviously, but what I found really um, helpful with my online nutrition clients who I tend to do, I do the nutrition, but I obviously always go through the training as well. Usually I'll be doing one of the other plans that we sell, is if they bring their wake up time slightly earlier, so I'm not gonna be one of those people who say wake up at 4.30 in the morning and do two hours of yoga and then breathe in the fresh air, it's not gonna happen. Like, it's just not sustainable. You might get to that one day, but you're not gonna get to that by changing bang and doing all these different things at once. You do it by small steps. So if you can wake up, like you said, phone on the other side of the room is great. What I use is a light alarm clock. So it gradually increases the light to wake you up naturally. And then that form of waking you up, you can obviously still turn it off, but because you have been exposed to light, you're a lot more awake and you're a lot more gently woken up than you are by that jarring, horrible iPhone alarm noise, which is all too tempting to run across the room and just turn it off and snooze. And then you end up snoozing it for 10 minutes for an hour and you feel worse than you did when you woke up. So these you can get quite cheap on, say, Amazon. I think they can get for around 30 quid. But if you're looking at you first as a parent, if you can get your routine in place and then bring your A-game, so your optimal person, to your family life, you can then help them start getting into a routine as well. Whereas if you're bringing, say, like your B or your C person, 
where you're rolling into everything, you feel like it's one stress after the other, and before you know it, it's 7 p.m. and you're binge watching something just to relax, then that's not so good. So long story short, waking up slightly earlier, getting that set wake up time on every day in the weekday, and ideally quite close in the weekend so you don't undo the hard work and your body doesn't get used to that later time, is great to do. You'll also find that you start going to bed slightly earlier, so you value that bedtime and you start to get a more consistent amount of sleep. So even if at when you first start, you're getting around, say, five or six hours, but because you start to realise, I am getting up at 6am every morning, you will bring your bedtime earlier naturally. And by doing that, you might stop contaminating your time with several screens. So sitting with your phone on whilst watching Netflix, whilst doing something on your computer. So I hope that long answer was quite good. No, it was. I mean, I'm, I've lost... The last few weeks of, of lockdown, definitely waking us, waking up is becoming something that I'm starting to struggle with. So I reckon um, the gradual light alarm clock is something that I'm definitely going to be looking at. Um, we spoke to, um, so we've got 12 of our, of our coaches we, we speak to regularly at the moment in Zoom calls. Um, and a group of them, uh, as well as Tom and myself, we decided we were going to have a go at trying to reduce our screen time on one of, um, one of the social media apps that we, we wanted to. Um, and we had a you know really fun, nice little competition. It was really interesting to see who uh, managed to make what changes. Um, we follow you on social media, funnily enough, uh, and we saw uh, a post you did a few um, weeks ago, and there was something that really resonated with us, and it was the idea of disconnecting to reconnect. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by that sort of phrase? Um, yeah, that sort of ties in for the last question where I mentioned sort of contaminating your time in that... Mm. You could be on WhatsApp, but you're also, which is a social app in its sense, and it's quite a good app, and I think it, especially at the moment, it is great. But then you'll also be on your laptop doing something else, like say shopping or finishing off a bit of work, but you'll also have the TV on in the background, and you'll also be spending time with, say, your partner or your family member. Where we could be confining work to a certain period, so we know we're going to get down and do that, and... um it's just taking that step back and realizing, do I need to be on my phone first thing in the morning? Or, and do I need to be on my phone for the last two hours at night? You don't have to say, I'm gonna get rid of my phone the whole time because that's just not feasible, especially now where we are gonna get drawn into it. So what I always sort of advise people to do, what has helped me is in those hours before bed, I go and then put my phone on charge, and for the last two hours, if I'm gonna watch Netflix, I watch Netflix. I don't watch Netflix whilst reading Twitter on my phone. Again, like I mentioned earlier as well, because if you're in already, say, a slightly negative mood or you're ruminating, you will then find things that confirm that train of thought, so you'll find things that are sort of catastrophizing or negative, or you'll find someone on social media you don't like, and you'll find yourself just either saying bad things about them, or you'll do it with your partner and you find yourself doing it and you think, why do I even care? And mm. why am I doing this? This is, this is giving no nothing to either of us. All we're doing is insulting someone through a computer screen who doesn't know we're doing it. And we've been doing that whilst there's been a screen on here and a screen on there. And we've not taken any of that in and we've not had any quality time together. So it's breaking things up and not having your phone there on, uh, for everything. I found myself around... I think it was about a year ago, I was trying to put my shoes on whilst holding my phone. And I said, like, what could I possibly have needed that for unless it was telling me how to tie my shoelaces? Yeah. 
and point. you go right I don't need that I'm going to go and do my work for an hour I do a lot better quality work I'm focusing I get into my work rather than I type a little bit I send the message I type a little bit more I send another message I scroll on Instagram the hour's gone and I'm starting to beat myself up because I have not applied myself well enough to my work whilst also just filling my mind with too much information from my phone which means then my attention span and my short-term memory have both been negatively affected so that the whole disconnect to reconnect thing again long story short is just stepping back and evaluating that use of your time has the last few hours genuinely been valuable to you and to the people that you care about and also if you are still working at this period has it been useful for your job or have you just been contaminated with multiple things yeah no, it's it's exactly the same line of conversation that as we say we've been having with our coaches they've a couple of things that were actually working for them were setting things like app limits and i know that you said there max about trying to make sure you the, the bookends of the day are really important and one thing that they said was it was useful to set limits on when their time will allow them to be on those apps so you can you know with certain phones i know we, they were using predominantly iphones you can set basically real harsh limitations on when the phone is going to to work essentially which is useful um what do you think is going to be a sustainable thing for people to do we've been getting a lot of questions with regards to exercise and repeating the same ones day in day out what's the best way to move forward with the lockdown exercises um repeating exercises isn't a necessarily a really bad thing Obviously, it can become a bad thing in that you won't be sort of enthused to exercise, you won't be motivated, and if you get into the realms of you start to get a niggling injury because you're doing the same thing over and over again. But if you're doing it and building more skill in a certain movement that you didn't have before, so say like a squat or a push-up, and then if you're starting to add weights to it, you are complicating it, you are changing the tension, and you are going to get a benefit from it. So repeating exercise to build the skill and build the strength and get more reward from it, so more bang for your buck as such, is a great thing. Um, I think uh, changing the exercise you're doing is really good, especially with kids who are sort of resistant to training or resistant to exercise because it's associated with PE, with school, with um, people who are really good already and they feel sort of inferior to them. Like Jack said the other day, ones who have become disenfranchised with PE, thought I'd steal that before he says it. But switching through all the different types of exercise till they find something that sort of hits a nerve and they really enjoy it. So I've, I've mentioned it before, but there's a really good thing with yoga in that it's as much mobility as it is core strength, as it is trying to find a slightly deeper meaning. So trying to channel into breathing, trying to genuinely relax trying to get rid of the constant stream of information that you will get on apps like TikTok, on apps like Instagram, on apps like Twitter, on anything that is used that you can scroll through in a minute, almost hundreds of different stories and different pressures and different adverts. So I think that it's, um, it's really important to vary the exercise if someone is not enjoying the exercise they're doing or doesn't enjoy exercise in general. So they can find an exercise that they really like, they really value. Other than that, if your child is enjoying the exercise and if you're enjoying the exercise, you're finding it's working for you, repeating it is absolutely fine as long as it's not causing injury or not dropping motivation. 
Cool. That's, that's a really interesting point there because um, it brings me on a little bit to my next point about variation and mixing it up because um, inevitably there'll be a lot of us who are, I know I definitely am, who are sitting down lots at the moment, um, a lot more than I usually would have. My We're really lucky, Tom and I, our work involves a lot of moving. Um, but even if you think about people that work in offices, for example, they've still got movement to and from work, whereas a lot of people are working within the home at the moment. Um, do you think the increase in the amount of um, sitting down we're doing the amount of time we're staying still is perhaps having an impact and what would you sort of advise people who might be finding that an issue what would you advise they they do to solve that um what i would say so we've obviously had this in the house so in the house i'm still at my parents house my girlfriend was working in the city so she was getting a lot of her steps in and she's hr so she's often going between meeting rooms and going around and also bringing in candidates from Waterloo Station. So her amount of actual movement has reduced massively. So has my sister's who was standing up all day. She's a hairdresser in London. She's moved back for this period before lockdown, as has her boyfriend who was working for a, um, a clothing company in the city. So we've all had this and everyone was finding that initially they were gaining quite a lot of weight. Because um, they started to do a lot of exercise, but the actual output, because of the steps and because of the lesson time standing, and because when it hits about 6pm, all you start to think about is the food that you've bought in the fridge from your one trip to Sainsbury's. So you thought, instead of two packs of Kit Kats, we'll buy eight packs. So what I suggested they do, and what has been, what's worked well for me as well, is tracking steps on, say, a smartwatch. Obviously, these aren't, um, what's the word, affordable for everyone. But you have trackers in your phone as well. So if your phone is on you most of the day, have it in your pocket and you can go in and in the same bit as screen time, there'll be a digital health and well-being which will track your steps. If there isn't, you can then download one off the app store, which will just be a pedometer. But here you can see how many steps you're generally doing throughout the week. And rather than go, right, I need to hit 10,000 because that's what the government said, which was just a random figure they've put out but it's good because it then gets you active and it's hard to hit. Find what you're doing. So say you were hitting around 3,500 steps a day, try and increase it to 4,000. That'll just be consciously thinking, right, instead of using the remote for light switch, I'm gonna get up and go and change it. Instead of doing this, I'm gonna get up and go and do that. Instead of shouting down the house and annoying my child when it's dinner time, I'm gonna walk upstairs, tell them it's dinner time, bring them downstairs. And you'll find that you sort of breathe a bit more activity into your day. When it's coming to sitting, I'm not going to, what I find really annoying, what I find annoying in, say, when you do yoga practices like calm, is when they say, sit up straight in a nice, comfortable position. And I don't know anyone who can sit bolt upright in a nice, comfortable position and then coincide that with relaxing and getting into a nice breathing position for a calming practice. What I tend to say is, if you can, and it may seem budget to you, and, but I do it, is on your desk, you can put, say, another small table and create yourself a standing desk. So that's a really simple way that you can increase your standing time and reduce the amount of sitting time. Because the good thing about standing is obviously it burns more calories and it forces you to use more muscles to hold posture. But also the problem with sitting is we know the correlation between sitting and onset of conditions like cardiovascular disease but sitting also really tightens up the hip flexors really tightens up the hamstrings and can shorten the muscles in the front of the body all which 
force you into bad posture. Coincide that with use of phones, which also closes you in with bad posture and for, leaves you more likely for the knees to then cave, which again leaves you more likely to knee injuries because you're not basically able to activate the glutes because you'll have weaker glutes. So there's a lot of things you can do. Making your own standing desk rather than spending a whole bunch of money on one, great job. Setting a timer on your phone for 10 minutes on every hour saying get up, as simple as that. You get up and go do something. You offer to make someone a cup of tea, you offer to get someone a drink. You even go to a child every, to your children, so they're bought in, you're accountable to them. You go 10 minutes, uh, uh, 10 minutes to every hour, so when the clock hits 50, we're gonna do something that involves movement for five minutes and you get to choose. You have the choice of X, Y, and Z. What are we gonna do this hour? What are we gonna do that hour? Then they can dominate and they can choose. So that'll become a lot more fun for them and it will also get you up and get you moving. And you'll be surprised how many steps you do just by joining in with a rather, what seems like a silly activity to you, but you're bonding with your child, it's fun for them, it's stimulating for them, it's gonna help both of you focus for the next hour, and it's gonna increase your daily calorie output, which is gonna bring you more in line to what it was before. So you won't have that added worry of, am I gaining weight, am I becoming more unhealthy during this period? But to be fair, that goes for beyond lockdown as well, because a lot of you, I work from home, and I have to consciously think about activity to make myself do it. Otherwise, I will find that between my clients where I'm standing and I'm in the gym, I'll be on my laptop working away on LDM muscle content or emails or something on those lines. And I can quite easily be sat down for three or four hours. So it's, but thankfully again, this watch, it's not trying to advertise it, but the Fitbit and quite a lot of watches will buzz you at sort of 10 minutes to every hour saying you haven't done enough steps. There's lots of ways you can do it, but not becoming sort of uh, like infatuated or obsessed with your steps, but becoming aware of how many you're doing and then setting yourself realistic goals to gradually increase that during the lockdown period is great. And then after lockdown, when we have slightly more eased routine, you can then see how many you were doing and you can see why you felt or how many you were doing before. And if that gap is quite large, and you felt a lot better out of lockdown, that might be one of your lifestyle factors that is valuable to you. So you might wanna take more care about walking each week. And again, that can be where you bring your children along with you again, and you say that during lockdown, our activity was lessened and my mood was also lessened. But post lockdown, when my activity's gone back up, I'm feeling great, I'm feeling good, and I'd love to go on more walks, would you come with me? So there's, there's always examples. I, I've forgotten the question you asked me. I've just gone off on a big tangent, but I hope, I hope that was helpful. <laughs> it's a really important point, and I think you've said a lot of things there that people can immediately take away and use tonight, potentially. So that's really helpful. Going back now a little bit to talking about the children, I know that it's a pretty commonly held belief that kids shouldn't do any weight training, and should be avoiding things like press-ups and things like that. What is what is the best thing that they should be doing with regards to exercise? Um, as we've kind of discussed before, it, it depends on the family, but it's it's I'd say whatever exercise. Why I'm saying exercise variation in this period is a great opportunity to find the exercise they enjoy, is because no exercise should really be off limits to children. I'm not saying stuff like there shouldn't be age limits on touch rugby, 
because I think that's, that's a good idea. But when it's coming into stuff like press-ups and squats and resistant movements, say with bands or weights, they're good for people of all ages. But the most widely believed you was that if you started to lift weights when you were sort of 16, I don't know why 16 was the age, but 16 or below, you are going to damage your joints irreparably and you're not going to be able to grow very tall, which just simply isn't true. It's been disproved. And like we mentioned, because you like there to be studies, we'll link those if you would like. You're going to link those? Yeah, I'm getting nods. I believe, so. I believe so. That'd be great. Cool. Good. So like I was saying, if you have, say, weights at home, because I know a lot of people bought weights during this period. I know a lot of people do have makeshift sort of backyard gyms, similar to mine. Uh, I put a bit more money in than the average person because I'm personal training, obviously. But bringing in children who are interested in weight training and then explaining to them the benefit of weight training and how if they're really keen, say, rugby player, you could say, this is a squat. We're going to go through it body weight first, then we're going to add a little bit of weight but you really need to focus on the form and you need to nail home that technique is really important. I wouldn't take the child to a heavy, heavy weight. I would keep them around 10 reps and make sure they're always focusing on form. When they start to lift really heavy weights with really bad form, that is when it can get dangerous. And that is where the myth came from because there was a lot of weightlifters who were lifting really heavy and they were going to end range, which is basically as far as their joint could go and they were damaging the ends of long bones, like the bones in the legs, and that was stunting growth styling. But if you focus on form, if you have a gauge of good form and you're sensible with the weights, bring a child into your gym sessions or into your resistance training sessions, into your yoga sessions, into any exercise that an adult can do is fantastic. Especially if they enjoy it, especially if it's a good quality sort of family time for both of you. And especially if you're both getting your activity each day, which we know is that invaluable for overall health and well-being. I think that's a, that's a really, really good part um, to, to, to close things up on, Max. Thank you so much for coming on. And I know that we'll be keen to have you back on when we're not uh, quite so restricted. Where can people find you? Where, where can people follow you and, and find out some more information about you? Sure. So um, personally on social media, my name's mb underscore nm we'll put the um in the comments so it's easily clickable yeah. and the company that i started with my brother and two friends can also be found in the link below and that's called ldmmuscle.com my social media is more toward overall health and well-being now so i'm very interested in not just physical health but mental health and how those two things connect and how they're not so dissimilar so sort of building mental resilience and mental fitness and seeing it in that way so that if you are sort of more inclined to be good in one area it can come across and you can sort of see it all as one whereas the LJ muscle account is more towards exercises more towards workout videos recipes and obviously the um, products we sell on there right brilliant brilliant well Thank you so much for coming on, Max. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Really enjoyed talking to you. And I know that that will definitely provide loads of value to our audience. Uh, I think we'll end it there. So uh, that was well, another another special uh, COVID there with Max Bridger. Thank you very much, Max. And see you soon, team. Bye. See you later.